All right, Backyard Conversations, we are back again. And yes, we took a little bit of a break. Uh, it's the summer, you know, we're trying to get out there, get some of the warmth. Um, and also, you know, my co-host Tammy has been really, really busy. He's working on some other personal projects. And on today's show, we have a very, very different co-host. And you're going to meet this co-host pretty soon. And it's Backyard Conversations. Let's get right into it. All right, co-host, you want to introduce yourself? Sure, hello. So what's your name? Busaya. All right, Busaya, let's get right into it. So the first thing we're going to be talking about today uh, is the Olympics. I saw some of it, and did you catch any of the Olympics? A little bit. I think the very first few days I actually watched it, but everything else I got from social media. Awesome. I mean, I know we saw a couple of events together, and then I was watching the medal table closely because for some reason I thought China was going to come out first. But even before uh, United States led them in gold medals, some tables already started putting U.S. on top of the table instead of China. And I, I don't know when, you know, how appropriate that is or when they started counting medals like that. Good point. I'm not quite sure how, you know, they determine who goes at the top of the table depends on who you ask someone just says it's whoever has the most medal count um others say you have to have the most gold uh but yeah i think in general different people put the tables in different ways kind of like how in different countries the sports that are shown are dependent on what sports that country has you know athletes in yeah it's pretty interesting I think it was a really, really embarrassing uh, turnout, especially for a country like Nigeria, where they not only had athletes uh, repeating their uniforms or jerseys and, and rewashing for like a separate event, but they weren't even able to compete in some cases because some athletes didn't qualify because apparently they didn't meet all the criteria for testing. Yeah, that was disappointing for very many different reasons, but I can only imagine what those athletes are going through, um, you know, they had the Olympics delayed for one year, which just meant one more additional year of training mm-hmm. and, you know, the physical and psychological impl- implications of all of that. And then to get to what you could almost call the finish line and then realize for some reason or another, you can't quite do what you're set to do. That's depressing. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's an epic fail for people in charge of like the sports committees and Ideally, someone should be held accountable, but we know how things usually happen uh, in Nigeria. We just hope uh, someone takes responsibility and and they uh, come out and tell us exactly why this happened and how to make sure it doesn't happen in the future. And um, I think the impact of uh, you know COVID on the Olympics cannot be overstated, right? I don't see a way that Japan or Tokyo are going to make a profit out of this. I'm sure I'm almost certain everything is going to run at a loss. Because even before the pandemic, uh, the Olympics itself is always a risky business and almost nobody ever turns a profit. So I'm, I'm uh, curious to see how badly hit, um, you know, maybe Tokyo or Japan would be in terms of financials going forward. Uh, that's a good point. I don't think a lot of people think about the finances of the Olympics, um, apart from maybe the cities that are, being, that are hosting them and you know, the local residents of those cities. I think one big thing from this Olympics was more 
centered around you know mental health and uh you know how athletes spoke up for others and you know kind of just the response of some people <laughs> in general to people putting you know their mental health specifically simone bowles in this case before um the competition and i think it's it, it kind of shows the future of hopefully the kind of conversations that will be had in sports in general regarding taking care of these athletes, um, you know, on and off the field. Very true. I agree. Because um, uh, I don't think there's anything else I can actually add. I was going to say, you know, something about how important it is to um, support these athletes because no one really knows how much pressure they're usually under. But you said you said it all pretty much in this would be a good segue, the impact of COVID on the Olympics and, and, and also the uh, mental health uh, feedback we have gotten. This is now a bad segue into the uh, Delta variant um, and its appearance in not just uh, the Olympics in Tokyo, but everywhere else in the world and, and the vaccination rollout. Uh, what do you feel about how um, major countries are doing and, and what do you think can be done for us to get out of this pandemic phase? It's <laughs> a heavy question. Um, I don't know that I can answer what can be done to get out of the pandemic phase. Get vaccinated. Uh, <laughs> um, I understand the resistance that some people have regarding vaccinations um, and, you know, that's a rabbit hole that this podcast specifically is not set up to go down into. But I will say that you know you can't force people to get vaccinated it is always a good point so at least hear that point of um point of view and their concerns everyone's health concern is legitimate even if it's if you consider it to be irrational or illogical based on your own point of views um but we can't also deny the impacts of the disease on the economy on the society on families, in education, it's kind of spread into every facet of the society as it is right now. Um, and the one thing that I know is maybe a big deal is how the response in general to COVID is politicized in a lot of places. And we think of it as a political issue, not so much a health issue, which is most likely not helping anybody. Well said, well said. Um, I have, I pulled up this fact uh, from, I, I air quotes on the facts because this is a data sheet from ourworldindata.org. I'm going to drop a link in the show notes so you can also refer to it. And currently it's saying the world is just 24% uh, uh, you know, fully vaccinated, 77 uh, partially. And then Canada is currently on 64 for fully vaccinated um, and 8.9% for as a matter of fact, that's the reverse. I think it's 8.9 for, what, fully? But anyways, I'm going to drop the link in the show notes and you can check out the data. Um, the point is, uh, you can see that uh, wealthy countries are uh, faring way better than uh, countries in, in poorer continents, if you may. And obviously, this is one of those things where the political issue you talked about comes into play with vaccine rollout, with who gets access to vaccine first, and uh, who is allowed to even use mRNA to, to create their own version of vaccines. Because believe it or not, some, some African countries are trying to essentially get into the vaccination business and, and doing things on the home turf. But they're meeting roadblocks with um, uh, big pharma and how they don't want them to essentially 
maybe breach patent, which which doesn't make sense, right? This is a pandemic, but yeah, it, it's, it's politicized. Uh, like I just mentioned, and it is something that will definitely affect everybody going forward because travel has to continue. Life has to continue. And next up, I believe we have a topic that was, I don't know if it was mainstream, but in the tech verse, people talked about this a lot about Apple and how they're trying to prevent the spread of child pornography. But one way to do it is possibly by getting access to your mobile device and then scanning the phones. Did you, did you hear about this? I did. I saw someone put a poll on LinkedIn on and just kind of getting popular opinion on how people felt with response, with response to Apple, I guess, potentially scanning their devices. Um, and I think a lot of it is, you know, it depends on the headlines you read. You could kind of, there, there's a lot of clickbait I, I found, especially with, with this topic. And um, I don't even know that I have gone to do the actual research to say this is exactly what Apple is proposing. Um, I think it's probably been blown out of proportion um, on, you know, in the news and on the media. Of course, it's a good point to make. There are arguments that can be made of breaching of privacy uh, when you have a technology company having access to this much data on this much scale. Right. Uh, but before I go ahead and knock down the idea, um, I'm a big believer in proposing a solution as opposed to just saying, well, that's not going to work and knocking it down. So I'm curious to hear everybody's thoughts on what's a better way to, in this case anyway, how do you help reduce the spread of child pornography and protect the children and the society? Um, well said. I agree with, uh, with everything you said. It's always easier to criticize something especially when you don't have an alternative solution that said there's there's an excellent youtube video by the wall street journal where apple's software chief uh, craig federighi was interviewed and he tried to explain everything now to the average person i don't think he did an amazing job trying to convince us of exactly what apple is trying to accomplish here because there were a lot of technical terms in in this in this video which is also going to be linked in the show notes by the way but essentially, it's about how already existing cloud services like Google and maybe OneDrive kind of already scan photos and know the contents. And Apple claims they do not already because they don't want to interfere with people's data in the cloud. That said, one way for them to scan those photos for um, CSAM, which is an acronym for um, some child pornography thing. It's going to be linked in the show notes. I forget what it's called. But in any case there's a like an encrypted hash or whatever that scans the photo right before it uploads um to to the to the photo uh drive which is essentially not a service that every apple user uses anyway so you'd have to be on photo stream i think it is the 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 service that synchronizes your your photos across different ios devices in the first place so it's not even being rolled out to everybody but it's, it's better you watch the video and discern for yourself if it makes any sense what they're trying to accomplish because I feel like I understand it a little bit and I, I know they could better phrase what they release to the public or they could come out and give us in plain English. What are you doing on our phones? Do we own the devices? If you claim that I own the iPhone and I don't want you to scan my phone, how can I make sure you do not do that? 
and I feel if if Apple and uh, Craig Federighi and even Tim Cook, you guys can come out with a statement, let us know what's happening. I think we'll be better served. What do you think? Sounds fair. Yeah, it sounds fair. Next to one of my favorite topics for the week, the Premier League is back. I'm gonna take a backseat on this one. Yeah, you can take a backseat. I'm just gonna talk talk about football for two and a half minutes. No, no, I'm just kidding. But um, it was exciting watching football make a resurgence. I mean, sure, the Euros happened, but it doesn't feel the same way. The Premier League is, is, is a whole different beast on its own. You get to watch teams that you watch growing up, like Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea. And the opening day, obviously, the, the Premier League is a gift that keeps on giving. There was a major upset with a recently promoted side dealing a major blow to Arsenal. And Arsenal have resumed regular programming by being the banter club for the Premier League. And then there were goals all over the place. This is such, It was a beautiful weekend for goals. Like There were so many amazing goals. You'd be surprised that all oh, that can be packed into one weekend. Uh, I'm talking about Bruno Fernandes with the hat trick. I'm, I'm talking about new promoter sides uh, like Watford like showing that they really, really mean business this year. So this is going to be a very interesting season. Um, I don't have a pick for who I think will win the league. But if I had to pick like a top three teams that will be competing for the title... I think it would be, uh, obviously, Man City is always in the picture. Chelsea, United, maybe a top four, maybe Liverpool, because they're looking very solid with uh, Van Dijk back in defense. So there's so much that I could talk about. This could be like an entire episode. I could geek out on this. But um, I'll, I'll, I'll like for us to go on to the next topic and just take a backseat this time while Busaya talks about Suicide Squad. Oh, fun. Um, I think it was a good watch. I'm not quite sure I remember all of it, but that's more based on me than the film. Um, I tend to not remember a lot of things I see after I'm done watching them, so, you know. However, I would say that I had a good laughs. I guess counts for something. If I would give it a score, maybe 7 out of 10. Harsh. I don't think that's harsh. No <laughs> one ever gets 10 out of 10, so really everyone's just fighting for 9 points. It's a stellar. I never saw that. <laughs> And um, so seven out of nine seems seems fair on a scale of ten. Uh, that said, I I really like Margot Robbie's performance. It was awesome. Like I enjoyed watching her on the screen. That was great. Uh, there's a couple plot twists in there that I did not see coming. I think you know. Um, so I guess that that kind accounts for a good thing. Of course, I was glad to see. Uh, ooh, I'm drawing a blank. What's her name? Which one of the characters was she? Was the Viola uh, Davis? Yes, there it goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Viola um, I enjoy watching her performance as well, and and she, you know, she did a great job. And it one part of that film that I would say, you know, that kind of stuck out to me was, you know, the part where not to release any spoilers or anything. Um, you know, kind of the decision decisions she was making from the perspective of the government, and um, even though they weren't necessarily the most moral decisions, if right. you will. Um, and situations like that just get me thinking about uh, how decisions are made from different sides of, you know, the whoever that decision is going to affect, right? Yeah. So I I like to think about how a decision is made from the perspective of whoever is in government or you know executive leadership in business, and it's it's easy to say, oh, here's the right thing to do, and. Um, here's what you should do but uh, realistically I think um, it's just an interesting position to be in and so just watching some of 
her decision making processes and and I, I thought that's probably a good representation of how decisions are made right now anyway which doesn't necessarily bode well for us but <laughs> it's a good watch if you have a chance you should go see it yeah I agree it was a good watch and I think I'll probably give you more than 7 out of 10 and this is probably because of, I, I can relate to not just some of the performances and you know like the actors uh, that were on screen but also with the director and just to follow up on what you said about Viola Davis's character and you know conflicting decision making, like in terms of duty versus what is morally right, I, I think it's a very very critical question that needs to be asked, and also one that we should try and apply to our, like everyday lives because there's some there's some you know realistic decisions you want to make, but empathy gets in the way. And you decide, you know what? I don't want to make this decision anymore. That's a weird thing to say. Empathy gets in the way. Empathy, it really does, right? And, and so watching watching uh, James Gunn, the director, put us in this position where we had to think, okay, um, is she doing the right thing? Or, or you know, what, what, what the heck is happening? I really appreciated that. And speaking of James Gunn, if you know anything about him, he directed the first two Guardian of the Galaxy movies. And you can tell he's an amazing director already. He does, I don't think he has anything to prove to anybody. But with uh, DC and Warner Bros., they try to like, give him a lot of money for this production. He's been quoted being saying this is the biggest movie he's ever done. And I think that was a slap to Marvel and in uh, in, in Disney. And, and he, keep in mind, he's going back to do Guardians 3. So I don't know how he's going to walk back on sets after all these comments he's made. Um, th- that said, it was really, really nice to see uh, Idris Elba as Bloodsport. And he talked about how he did not try in any way to replace Will Smith, who was in the in the previous movie as Deadshot, and and it's like a whole different film altogether. And this is one of those things that separates DC from Marvel. Is Marvel can come through and like you know what we're going to make a cohesive twenty two film project, and we will make sure we have absolute control over what you show on the screen. So even the directors have to report to us and. They need to, uh, you know, let us know what they're going to be making. And we're going to probably even make the movie before they make it in terms of like storyboards and cinematics or whatever. But DC, on the other hand, tries to let the directors put their own perspective on things, which is a double edged sword. As you can tell, like these directors feel fulfilled and they make movies that they can always go back and watch and be like, yeah, this was my idea. This is what I wanted to make. Versus if they made one for Marvel where they don't have as much control, they end up making box office hitters where the film goes on to make a billion and even though it doesn't really exactly feel like their movie because it's such a big movie, you know, but you know, it's, 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 it's again, duty versus empathy, right? You have to think about it. Like what do I want? You know, like what do I choose? But yeah, overall it was a beautiful film. Everything built up nicely. They kept raising the stakes in the film and that's why the plot twists were able to happen the way they did because every time you think something has just like hit the fan, you realize there's no ceiling. Right, and so we just kept going higher and higher, and I really appreciate it. I'll also recommend you go watch it. And on the last note, we're going to talk about something that the whole world is talking about right now, and it is as scary as it is sad, and it is the current quote unquote take over of Afghanistan. War is bad, yeah, war is hell. Um. So, you know, it's, you know, different presidents have been trying to withdraw the troops from Afghanistan since since America, you know, set foot on the ground in that country about probably, what, two decades ago now? About 20 years, I think. Yeah, so it's been a long time. And honestly, I really do feel like if it continues to get messy, which it looks like there's really no way out of this right now, 
it becomes one of those things in history where you're going to look back and be like, in whose administration did this mm, terrible thing happen to Afghanistan? And yeah, and they're going to point their finger at probably Uncle Joe. <laughs> but say a prayer for Afghanistan if you can. Um, it is crazy out there. Um, women, children, everybody's in danger because of this takeover. And, and it, it is unreal for people who have not been there. You don't really know what's happening. I haven't been in, in a war before, but just following people um, on Twitter talk about it, especially locals out there in Afghanistan and you know, the experiences they're having and the takeover of their communities, their schools, their religious centers. It, it, is, it is the most frightening thing you could ever imagine. So if you can, just say a prayer for Afghanistan. I guess we're going to wrap on that note. Um, so we're back. Uh, remember to follow us and uh, like and review the podcast. We love the five-star reviews. Yes. All right. Thank you very much. So that's Backyard Conversations, and we are out. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs>